Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today will be taken from the reading in the book of Ephesians. Be seated. We begin with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you have called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light, and you by your grace alone have saved us to be your people. Lord, we pray that you would make us to be bold in testifying to this truth of the salvation that is ours in Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that this day, as we hear your word, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning we are continuing through this little sermon series we're in right now where we're talking about what it means to be a witness to Jesus Christ in this world. And we said last week that we have been called by Christ into this faith by His grace, but we have been called as Christians to confess something before the world, to testify to a truth, to stand up, stand up for a truth that we have received from the Lord. That Jesus Christ is, in fact, the Son of the living God. And He has come into this world to be our Savior. And you and I know that this is the truth, and you and I love this truth because this truth is such good news. We call it the gospel, and gospel literally means good news. It is good news for us to know the truth that Jesus Christ is our Savior. It really is the best news. The trouble is, when it comes to testifying to this truth, it's not, not everybody believes it. And it's not just that not everybody believes the fact that Jesus has come and died and risen again for our salvation. But it's, the problem we're facing these days is that not everybody believes they need saving at all. They don't just doubt Christ. They doubt that they need salvation. They don't believe it. A number of years ago, there was a pop hit by an artist named Sarah Barry Alice in which she's saying these words, which I think are really fascinating and really sort of capture the sentiment of the culture right now. She said, I hate to break it to you, babe. I'm not drowning, and there's no one here to save. Who cares if you disagree? You are not me, and who made you king of anything? And that is really, I think, the sentiment in the world right now. People simply don't believe that they need saving. We're being told all the time, that our real problem is just that we need a little bit of help from the outside, but not a lot. Deep down inside of each of us, we're really good. You're perfect, you're told, just the way you are. But you're facing a few problems in your life, so instead of needing, needing salvation, what you really need as really being a good person is direction. You need guidance. You need assistance, but not salvation. After all, you're perfect and beautiful, just the way you are. And if it doesn't feel like that, it's probably because somebody did something wrong to you. Or you have a chemical imbalance that we just need to offset uh, with the right set of pills. Now, before we move on from that point, I want to make two, two qualifications. I'm not suggesting that we're not suffering in this world because other people have harmed us. Many of us have gone through some very traumatic experiences. In fact, that is one of the realities in living of living in a sinful world. Uh, that perverse and evil things happen to other people. That's what sin does. Sin always hurts somebody else. I'm also not suggesting that there's not necessary medication for people who are going through some very difficult emotional experiences. Of course those things are necessary. 
But what I'm concerned about today is we think that those are the solutions to our deepest problem. Because our deepest problem is not that we're just good people in need of guidance. Our deepest problem is that we are by nature and choice sinners. We are bound to sin. We don't just need direction. We need salvation. And I'm worried about this idea that if we just follow the right program or listen to the right steps or follow the right rules, then somehow we'll achieve righteousness in this world. And this is what we're hearing all the time. If you just go down to Barnes & Noble, you will see all the self-help books and all the programs for any aspect of your life that you need help and guidance in. All promising you some form of worldly righteousness. But if anybody knows this is nonsense, there's one group I think in particular who can tell you from pure experience that this is nonsense. And that group of people is known as parents. Parents know that all of this sort of self-help stuff doesn't ever work. And it's not because they obviously have children who need more than direction, you see. It's because they've read parenting books. And every parenting book promises you that if you just follow their program and obey their steps, then you are going to achieve what we might call parental righteousness. You will be the perfect parent, and your children will be perfect children, and everything in this world, at least in your house, is going to be perfect. And if you've ever tried to follow these programs, you know you are not perfect, all right? These programs make you feel guilty and ashamed because your kid went to bed at 9.02 instead of 9.01, right? This is just, and some of you were like, 9 o'clock, that's an evil time to put your children to bed. It should be 7.45, according to the book that I read. You're the unrighteous one. And you see, the whole thing falls apart. It's just all frustration and anger. And we grow angry because our kids aren't conforming to the book's ideals. We can't keep up with the standards, and we just lose it. I'm not speaking from experience here. This is just proof that there is something deeper going on here. And you know it's not just with parenting, but it's with, with every aspect of our lives. Somebody has some program that's going to make things go perfect for you, but it never seems to work. They never seem to produce the worldly righteousness that we desire. And the scriptures are very clear for us today as to why this is. It's because the problem for us is not just that we don't have the right direction and we just need some guidance. The problem, as I mentioned earlier, is the depth of our sin. That by nature and choice, we are sinners. With the words that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write today to the Ephesians, he's hardly starting a self-help program. Listen again to how he describes our spiritual state apart from Christ Jesus. This is what he says. Apart from Christ Jesus, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, that is, followers of the devil, and among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by children of wrath like the rest of mankind he's not exactly calling us beautiful little snowflakes you know apart from christ paul is saying this is your spiritual situation before god apart from christ I, I, this is a funny way of saying it i think but i think it's actually accurate with what we're reading here apart from christ you are spiritually speaking nothing more than an evil zombie zombies are for all intents and purposes uh, they're dead but all they can do is eat brains and damage things 
And spiritually speaking, that's who we are apart from Christ before God. Paul says, dead in your sins and trespasses and yet following the way of evil in this world. That is who we are spiritually. It's a harsh reality that we are sinners. And that all sinners are able to do ultimately is sin. It renders us utterly incapable of saving ourselves. So that Sarah Barrialis is wrong. Is someone here to save? Her and you and me and all of us need saving. And this is a harsh reality, but it's a harsh reality that Christ has called us as his church to actually proclaim. It's a harsh reality, I think, that we would hardly believe were it not revealed to us by the scriptures themselves. But you have to think about this for a second. If all we are is people who are misguided and need a little direction, then what sense are we to make of what Jesus is doing on the cross? In other words, why must God put on flesh and die if all it is we need is a little help from our friends? I think of the great Lenten hymn, hymn uh, Stricken, Smitten, and Afflicted. And when we don't think gravely enough about our sins, I'm reminded of these marvelous words. You who think of sin but lightly, nor suppose the evil great. Here may view its nature rightly, here its guilt may estimate. Mark the sacrifice appointed, see who bears the awful load. Tis the word, the Lord's anointed, the Son of Man and Son of God. Christ must die on the cross because our problem is far greater than just needing direction. We need a Savior. For the reality, the truth that we are called to witness to is this, is that the reason the world is falling apart, that there are wars and rumors of wars, and why our lives are full of struggle and strife is because of sin in this world. And whether we're ready to admit it or not, our sins have contributed to these things. Yes, we've been sinned against, but the reality is we are also part of the problem. And because our sin is so great, there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. And if we've learned anything from the history of the world, any effort that is taken to try and undo this problem of sin, any effort that is taken to try and undo this problem that leads to death only seems to make matters worse. Now, that's the truth. But it's only part of the truth. And if we think that's the only truth we have to testify to, we've missed the best part of the whole story. We've missed the best part of the truth. Yeah, the Spirit comes along and exposes the death of our sin here today in the scriptures but more so he comes forward to announce to us an even greater truth than the sinfulness of this world that god's aware of it and he has done something about it and he proclaims it to us today and really one is the in really what is one of the most stunning passages in all the bible listen to what paul says after he has just laid us out completely in our sinfulness he says this but god being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace 
you have been saved. Through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. I love the way St. Paul starts that section. He says, but God. God is one of the most wonderful phrases in all language. Those two words alone are worth the gift of speech. For you were impoverished and dying in your sinfulness, but God is rich in mercy towards you. And if God is rich in mercy, what does he do with his wealth of mercy? He spends it on you, you who were dead in your trespasses and sins. But God has made you alive together with Christ Jesus. Sarah Barrielis is wrong. She, you, me, everyone needs to be saved from sin and from God's wrath. But God has actually done it by sending his son to die in your place on the cross and to forgive all of your sins. You and I deserve eternal damnation, but God has raised you up and seated you with Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. But God has done this for you. And the thing is, what we hear today is there's nothing we can do to earn this. But the good news is not only can we not do anything to earn this, we don't have to do anything to earn this. For God has given this to you by his grace alone. There is no directive here for living, no guidance for a better life. It is purely good news. It is a gospel message filled with the one who has rescued you, Jesus Christ. You cannot save yourself. The world cannot save itself. But God has sent Jesus Christ for you. Therefore, you are saved. This is the truth. This is the truth we are to testify to as the church. Not just the bad news, though the bad news is necessary, but the gospel, the good news, that though we were dead in our sins and trespasses, God sent us Jesus Christ. But God is rich in mercy and has saved you. Yes, there is someone here to save. And Jesus Christ has done it. He has saved you. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, make us bold to share this good news. Send us forth with this gospel message. This gospel message, Lord, which the world needs to hear, to know that they need saving. But Lord, this gospel message, which we ourselves need to hear constantly. Lord, you have been gracious to us. You have called us into your presence by your grace. Lord, help us to trust this promise and to proclaim this promise. All of this we ask for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Having heard the word of our Lord, I invite you to please rise as we continue by confessing our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man 
and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again 